Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and I want to invite you to stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at a thought tonight from Matthew chapter 2, a sermon entitled, The New Born King. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, there the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, Art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Father, tonight, as we consider the wise men, we consider the newborn king that we celebrate in this season. Lord, I ask that you would focus our minds. Lord, it's been a busy week. And Lord, there's much left to do. But Father, I pray that you would focus our minds on your word. Keep us awake. Give us alertness that we might hear and heed everything you'd have for us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are kind of in that transition between Thanksgiving to Christmas. So as I said earlier, tonight I'm simply going to say that I am thankful for the Lord Jesus. I am thankful for the Lord Jesus. You know, I'm thankful, church, that when I couldn't go to Him because of my sin, He came to me. You know, I'm thankful, church, that when the wage, the consequence, the penalty, the result of my sin was death, He died for me. And you know, I'm thankful, church, that three days later, He got up out of that grave. He got up, and He offers life, His life, to whosoever will receive Him in faith. And you know what, church? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that one day He's coming soon. And He's coming for all who know Him. You know, this season, it's about Him. It's about Jesus. And church, we would do well, I think, to remember that Jesus is not a reason for the season. 
He is the reason for the season. All the other stuff. You know, Christmas, it's about the kids. No, it's not. Well, Christmas, it's about family. No, it's not. Well, Christmas, it's about food and gifts. And it's about humanity and peace on earth and love. And No, it's not. All of those things are good. And all of those things are wonderful. But they're not the reason for the season. You see, we do well to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I'm going to tell you, church, let's make much of Jesus this year. Let's just make much of Jesus this year. After all, all the rest of it, the gifts, the generosity, the family, the love, the hope, etc., 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 they all flow from Him. And so make much of Jesus. Make much of Jesus in your family this year. Mamas and daddies, get out God's word and make much of Jesus this season. Let's make much of Jesus in our church. You know, we're going to talk about the kids' programs and the banquets and this and this and this. But above everything else, let's just lift up Jesus. It's about Him. Let's make much of Jesus in this community. Let's just make much of Jesus. Jesus. And tonight, and really for a number of messages in this Christmas season, I want to look at a group of people who made much of Jesus. We're going to look at the wise men. And specifically tonight, we are going to see how they made much of Jesus in their gift. So let's look. I want to look particularly at verse 11 this evening, Evan, if we could. Church, I'm going to ask you if you would read it in unison with me. There the Bible says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you to see Roman numeral one tonight as we consider the wise men. I want you to see number one, their reason. I want you to see their reason. Everything about these men and what they did pointed to the significance that they placed on Jesus. They mentioned in the text that they had seen his star in the east, meaning they were wise men from the east, probably somewhere around modern-day Iraq, give or take. And from the east, they had seen the star. And so they traveled west to find this newborn king. Estimates are probably they traveled at least 900 miles. 900 miles. Not in a Tesla, not in a Hummer or a semi, but probably by them donkeys you see by your nativity scene. 900 miles. Let's be honest. I'm often inconvenienced when I have to go to the fridge and back. These guys traveled 900 miles to see the newborn king. And it wasn't even their king nationally. But the journey they took pointed to the significance that they placed on Jesus. 
We see it in their journey. We, we see it in their gifts. The gifts that they gave the Christ child, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts are expensive and rare. None of this is normal behavior for such learned, wealthy men. None of it normal behavior. But they did it. Why? Because they placed such a high level of significance on Jesus. They made much of Jesus. Now the gifts, the gifts themselves are interesting because they give us insight into why the wise men did what they did. They understood some things about this child that led them to go like they did and to give like they did. The gifts were not random. It wasn't what was lying around in the closet. It wasn't what was on sale Cyber Monday on Amazon. It wasn't, it wasn't that. These gifts were specific in that these gifts were given to highlight aspects about what makes Jesus so special. I want to look tonight specifically at the gift of gold. Because you see, here's the thing about the gift of gold. Gold was a gift for a king. It was a gift for a king. They recognized baby Jesus or young child Jesus. Don't get all hung up if I say baby Jesus, okay? We're all in the same ballpark. It'll be okay, right? Amen? Amen. All right. They recognized Jesus as king. So we see their reason. I want to flesh it out a little bit tonight. Number two, his reign. His reign. Who are we talking about? We're not talking about the wise men. We're not talking about the kings from the east. We're not talking about Herod. Whose reign are we talking about? We're talking about King Jesus' reign. Hey, church, King Jesus reigns. On a Wednesday night, at the end of November, in a Baptist church with a thousand other things going on, we still ought to be able to get excited about the fact that King Jesus reigns. Hey, he always has. And he always will. You know, the wise men came to honor Jesus, the newborn king. Verse number two, they called him, where is the king of the Jews? Verse number 11, we see they came, they fell down and worshipped him. They bowed, they bowed. What a weird thing to do before a baby slash toddler. You ever thought about how weird that was? All right, so you're Mary, right? You hear a knock at the door. We don't know if it was three wise men or five wise men or two wise men. We know it was some sort of plural, right? But however it was, an unspecified amount of guys from another country make their way into your house and begin bowing to your young child. Weird. Odd. Why would these men from another country come and bow before the child? You know what they were doing? They were giving a a recognition that this child, though the child was young, though the child had done nothing from an earthly standpoint, that this child had a station and had authority that was far above their own. Oh, we see the reign of King Jesus. You know, church, 
if we're not careful at Christmas, do you know what we tend to do? We tend to see the cradle, but forget about the crown. You know what happens if we're not careful? We think of the cute baby Jesus, and we forget that he is King Jesus. That he always has been, and that he always will be King Jesus. Jesus. We look at the cute baby in a manger and we see the depictions and we forget that King Jesus has all power and authority. In Matthew 28, in verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that word specifically means authority, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. You ever stop to consider the mighty power and authority of King Jesus? Think about this. Creation obeys him. Creation obeys him. Genesis 1-3, we know that Jesus created, amen, that he is the creator. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. You ever tried that? Let there be light, and there was light. Is that simple? Why? Because creation obeys him. We see Jesus when he was ministering here on the earth. Mark chapter 4 beginning in verse number 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the seas, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, his disciples, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Can I tell you what manner of man it is? This is King Jesus. And creation obeys his voice. He not only has power and authority over creation, he has power and authority over disease. In Mark chapter 1 and verse number 41, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And that man was clean. He has power and authority over disease. He has power and authority over demons. Mark chapter 9 beginning in verse 25. And when the people, and when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead in so much as many said he is dead. But the verse, very next verse, verse 27, Evan, if you go ahead and pull that one up for me. Verse 27 points out that Jesus came alongside, took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Why? Because King Jesus has power over disease. He has power over the demons. Even death obeys his voice. John 11 in verse number 43, there we see. And when he had thus, and when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, remember who had already been dead a number of days. And he that was dead came forth. 
bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. I see one chapter earlier, John 10 and verse number 17. Jesus said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see the power and authority of Jesus? We don't have any power and authority over any of this. You ever looked at the wind and waves and said, peace be still? I tried it before. I think they just get bigger to taunt me, but that's beside the point. I have no power over the weather. I have no power over disease. I can remember when I was going through all that cancer stuff, I remember laying in the bed and, and realizing that was the hardest thing for me, Brother Barry, was recognizing I really had no power over what was happening. No power over disease. I have no power over demons. I have no power over death. But King Jesus has all power. I'm going to tell you, sometimes I'm afraid. We, we get fixated on the cute baby in the cradle and we forget. We, we see the cradle, but we forget the crown. We forget that in every point and at every point, he is King Jesus. He was King Jesus in the manger. He was King Jesus as he learned carpentry. He was King Jesus on the cross. He is King Jesus at the right hand of the Father from eternity past to eternity to come. He is King Jesus. I love the description and revelation of King Jesus as he comes again. Revelation 19 beginning in verse 11. And I saw the heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Sometimes I like to just close my eyes and picture. And his eyes. Oh his eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Hey, this is us, church. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and He shall rule over them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, say it with me, church, King of kings and Lord of lords. But church, we got to be careful. Because at Christmas time, it's easy to see the gift And pass over the greatness. Can I tell you tonight. Despite how it looks. King Jesus reigns. You know those magi. Who had traveled those 900 miles. They came. uh, They were men of renown. Men of power. They knew kings. They had met King Herod. They had seen all that was going on. The, The young child in the peasant home. Didn't look like a king. But can I tell you, despite how it looks, King Jesus reigns. You know, sometimes in our day and age, we wonder, don't we? Because I'm going to tell you, it doesn't always look like right is coming out on top. 
You know, so often it seems like all the bad stuff happens to the good people and, and all the people who hate and shake their fist at God are, are the ones out there catching all the breaks. And it seems sometimes that the, 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 the people who love God get persecuted and the people who hate God end up in power. Can I tell you? It seems sometimes like, like sin is called good and good is called evil. And it, it seems sometimes that evil just run amok. And I'm going to tell you, it's easy sometimes people doubt but it doesn't change the fact that King Jesus reigns. Let me give you something to bear in mind out of Ecclesiastes chapter 8, beginning in verse 11. Notice what Solomon says here. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So in other words, just because the lightning doesn't strike, people say, ha ha, see, God's not real, he's not on the throne, there's no consequence for my sin. But though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him, but it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not God. Hear me, just because lightning doesn't strike doesn't mean that Jesus isn't on the throne. Just because his authority and power are not always seen the way we, we think it might be, or it's not always felt, doesn't mean that he has stopped ruling and reigning. I'm going to tell you, King Jesus reigns. And one day, every knee will bow. Church, we see his reign. But we can't stop there. We can't stop there. We saw their reason speaking of the wise men. We see his reign speaking of Jesus. Finally, we need to make it personal. So might we consider my response. What is my response to the reality of the newborn king? What is my response to the fact that King Jesus reigns. Church, Jesus is king. He is king of kings, and he is Lord of lords. But it is so easy, especially in this season, to see the gift and not be impacted by his greatness. Church, he reigns. But his reign demands my proper response. It's easy to recognize. But it is essential that we respond. Number one, I need to respond like the wise men. I need to respond by humbling myself. Look with me at verse 11 again. The Bible says, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. I mean, didn't just shake his hand, didn't just give him compliments. They fell down. They prostrated themselves before the child. They humbled themselves. In their home country, they were men of renown. 
They were wealthy rulers. They had all sorts of prestige. And yet here in this peasant home, they prostrated themselves before a child. Before a child. They humbled themselves. Now I'm going to tell you, you would think it was weird if I bowed down in front of anybody. Much less if I bowed down in front of a baby. But you know what bowing is? Bowing physically is a picture of humility and submission of heart. That's what bowing is. It is a picture of humility and submission of heart. I'm going to park here for a minute. Because our culture knows nothing of humility. We, we know nothing of humility. Especially when it comes to authority. What do we do with authority in our culture? We mock them. We attack them. We deride them. We tear them down. We, we do everything we can to cast doubt on them. Our culture knows nothing of humility. We are basically your quintessential example of of humanism. We have elevated ourselves to the position of God. If I feel it, it is therefore reality. If I want it, it is therefore good. We have made ourselves the definition of truth and righteousness. We know nothing of humility. And church, don't think we're immune. Because the crazy thing about pride is it's kind of contagious. And what is overflowing the world has a tendency to seep its way into the church. Church, Jesus is not just an authority. He is the ultimate authority. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Therefore, when King Jesus speaks, it doesn't have to make sense to you. And it doesn't have to make sense to me. Therefore, when King Jesus speaks, it doesn't have to feel good to you. It doesn't have to feel good to me. Therefore, when King Jesus speaks, it doesn't have to be politically correct with whatever the standard line of the day is. No, when King Jesus speaks, that settles it, period. I've given different variations of this thought before. But if King Jesus told you to stand on your head and drink Diet Dr. Pepper, you don't get to reason with yourself, well, I think I like Diet Coke better. Or I would prefer it not be diet because, you see, the whole uh, fake sugar thing and da-da-da-da-da. Or, you know, I just, I just don't know about the bubblies. I, I don't know that I can really... If Jesus says it, It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you want or what you don't want. If King Jesus says it, that settles it, period. So what's my response? My response is despite how it seems to you or looks to others... Humble yourself 
before the king. Humble yourself before the king. I'm not telling you to bow physically. Some of you are already thinking, my knees don't do that anymore. I'm telling you to do it here. Humble yourself before the king. He is king. I am not. What is my response? Like the wise men, I need to humble myself. Let me give you one other thought tonight. Like the wise men, I need to present my king with what he truly deserves. The wise men did not go to Dollar General and try to find a bargain gift for the young child. The wise men did not look around their closet to find out what they had gotten at last year's white elephant exchange that they might repurpose to this instance. After all, Jesus didn't know that they were given the candle last year by you fill in the blank. The wise men sought to give King Jesus what he truly deserved, and so they brought him gold. Because they could not think of anything more precious to give him. They brought him gold. You know, what should my response be to the fact that Jesus is king? Like the wise men, I need to present my king with what he deserves. Let me ask you, what does Jesus deserve? What does Jesus deserve? Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 puts it this way. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your Reasonable service. What does King Jesus, what does my King deserve? He deserves all of me. All that I am. Every talent I have, every gift I have, all of my treasure, He deserves all of me. A living sacrifice. By the way, that's why we start with humble ourselves. Because if I start with all of me, I'm going to tell you, we bucket that, right? That's the problem with a living sacrifice. If we were to sacrifice an animal, and we don't sacrifice animals, okay? But if we were to sacrifice animals, it would be cats. (laughs) And the problem would be if I took a living cat and I laid it on the altar, what would it do? Boy, we get up and run away as soon as I let go. That's the problem with a living sacrifice. It doesn't want to stay on the altar. But if I start by humbling myself, you are king and I am not. You are king and I am not. Then I remind myself, I've got to be on that altar. Why? Because he's king and he deserves all of me. He gave me all of him. How could I think he deserves any less than all of me? You know, at Christmas, boy, this gets me. At Christmas, we love to sing about Jesus, don't we? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Isn't he 
Wonderful. I love to sing Christmas songs. We love to sing about Jesus, don't we? But it's funny to me because it's so easy to sing about Jesus, but it's so hard to submit to him. Boy, we'll sing and sing and sing, and sometimes we'll sing for 15, 20, 30 minutes, and we'll just sing about Jesus. And then we open his word, and he says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And we say, oh, we sing. Sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And then we open his word and he says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. And we say, you know, I don't know. I know the preacher said something about new gospel tracts, but, you know, if I don't pick any up, I just won't remember to pick any up, and I just, I just don't know how to do that, and I just, I'm not very good at that, so I'm just not going to do Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does he deserve? He deserves all of me. Whether it makes sense to me, whether it feels good to me, whether, it makes, whether I feel like I'm good at it, he deserves all of me. Oh, we love to sing silent night, holy night. We sing of King Jesus, and yet we open his word, and and King Jesus talks about giving, giving generously. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, Jesus, I don't think you realize what inflationary numbers are taking place in our society right now. And, and, and Jesus, if you knew the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve and, and you knew how my 401k had been affected over the last 12 months, I, I, Jesus, I just don't know. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop. He is king. I am not. He's king. Don't miss the crown for the cradle. If you and I are truly going to make much of Jesus, we're going to have to make much of Jesus because of what makes him significant. And you've got to get past the little baby in the cradle. And you've got to realize he is king. He is king. He is king. Oh, we open his word. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as up unto the Lord. You know, I find it sad that as I look through the scriptures, the only ones who ever tell Jesus no are demons and humans. And folks, that don't put us in great company. What is my response? Like the wise men, to humble myself and to bring my king the gift he truly deserves. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the gift that God has given. I want us this season to make much of the Lord Jesus. But church, hear me. If we're going to make much of Jesus, we have to both recognize who he is and respond to that truth in our lives. Allow yourselves tonight to be impacted by what the gift of Jesus means for us. Don't miss the crown You see, baby Jesus, this season, may we never forget He is King, He is King, 
He is king. Let's pray. Father, we love you.